Life's hard. Let's talk about it over some tea. Welcome to Tea and Transitions, where we serve up stories on the dynamic lives of women of color as they navigate through life's cold, lukewarm, and steamy moments. I'm Vina Vo, a planner, facilitator, and today your personal tea snob. And I'm Odelia, a writer and educator trying to not spill too much tea. So grab your favorite cup or mug and let's get right into some TNT. Welcome to our dear listeners, our faithful listeners, for our second bonus episode for this season. Today we're talking about something near and dear to our hearts, which is long-distance best friendships. And this one goes out to all the people who are missing their close friends, uh, wishing that during this pandemic they could be close to them, and really excited to invite both of our close friends today to you know, learn a little bit more about how we met, how we've been doing during this time, and how we just make them magic keep going even with all the distance between us east coast west coast obviously being and i live on the best coast but so willing to welcome these east coasters to our podcast today and i thought how we could kick it off to add a little spice is that we would start by having one person of the friend group just introduce themselves and the other person and tell the story of how they met and then the other person will rank them on a scale of one to ten One being, uh, please don't ever talk about me again. This friendship is over. And 10 being, yes, the magic is still there. So I'm going to start with Kelly. Kelly, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us how you and Vina met and Vina will rank you. Hi, everyone. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, I guess we met when we were 12 or 13. I can't remember exactly. Um, We met in seventh grade. Uh, But Vina didn't declare that we were best friends until eighth grade. And I mean declare. Uh, So we met in seventh grade and we met, we had already met in terms of like our friend groups kind of intermingling with each other and kind of fusing. And we were in this honors English class and we were assigned different books and Vina and I were assigned the same book, Flowers for Algernon. And she immediately wanted to to work with me on this book project. I think she wanted to like mooch off of me. <laughs> and she got my phone number. This is Wow, this for, is for really the, accurate of the Vienna I know in 2021 too. <laughs> some things don't change, you know. And this is uh this is for the, the the youthful listeners. But this is back in the day when we had we had landlines and you had to call call you're in the house, has a hello to the parents. Can I sp- please speak to so whoever? And then hopefully they'll let you talk to them. But despite despite this obstacle, though, Vina still called me multiple times a day to, quote, work on this project, end quote. <laughs> and and uh, but I think overall, she just wanted to call and be my friend and kind of bamboozle me into this. Um, and by eighth grade, she declared that we were best friends. She came up to me and she just said, hey, we're best friends now, okay? And I said, all right, that sounds good. <laughs> that was the beginning of our friendship. I, th- I rank it as a five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly, you weren't the one ranking, so we'll leave that up <laughs> to Vina. Uh, Vina, what would you like to rank the story? And what other details do you feel like the listeners need to know that Kelly did not include? Mm, I, I would say from a scale of one to 10, accuracy-wise, I would say it was probably like an eight, eight and a half. It was pretty accurate, but some minor details um, here. So I actually chose this book, Flowers for Algernon. I think we both chose it because our teacher told us that it was the hardest book. And so that's why I chose it. And then I think that's why Kelly chose it as well, if I remember correctly. But she was actually absent for some reason, um, I think the first few days of us working on this book project. I didn't know her, but I had like read another paper that she had written previously. And I was like, ooh, she sounds smart. She sounds like someone that I could work with, you know, because at that time I was like, I really got (laughs) to, I wasn't mooching. I had to find my people. I had to find people who were aligned academically with me so that we could work together in study groups. Um, so that was accurate. And I wouldn't have, I, I don't think I called her multiple times a day. That's just obnoxious. Like, why would anyone do that? I just, I don't know. You tell me. 
<laughs> I is there I feel like there must be someone who knows the two of you in this story who we can call. We might have to do that in a follow-up. Phone episode. a friend or something. I would say yeah. though that we did spend a lot of time on the phone together. I wouldn't say we called each other multiple times. I didn't call her multiple yeah, times. We today. didn't call each other multiple times a day. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Okay, look, you know, sometimes you just gotta go after what you need and go after what you want. I'm just a go-getter. I've always been a go-getter. So that's true. That's accurate. And I don't, I don't remember if I came up to you saying, hey, we're best friends now. I think I might have said, hey, you're my best friend. And then you were like, okay, so that's a good little change in the story and narrative. But you know, it's actually funny because I don't know why I decided to declare that or like why after like, a year, I felt the need to tell you that you were my best friend. I would say I was probably, maybe I was braver than, you know, like nowadays I get like nervous tell, asking someone to be my friend or asking them to hang out with me. So gotta say, you know, eighth grade Vina had gumption to her. <laughs> but yeah, I would say you, 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 like did, a... you did a pretty decent job. Yeah. yeah. I also really appreciate you celebrating your, you know, earlier self, Vina, because a lot of people have, you know, a lot of like terrible things to say about their younger selves. So I love that, you know, you're using words like gumption to describe your younger self and just, just going for it. So wait, tell me again, what did you rank it? Like eight and a half to nine, maybe. Yeah. Eight okay, and a half to nine. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Wow. It's because okay. Kelly and I have told this story many, many times. And so I feel like, I think we, we both, either have meshed it over time so I did I did learn a new detail I didn't know you had read one of my essays and had done prior research about my abilities <laughs> I had yeah you know I was I was climbing to the top I was, I'm gonna, okay, yes I had done research on a lot of uh, folks before deciding who would be my friend just I'm scared. yeah Vina shared on a previous uh podcast episode that she had done research on me before reaching out to me at work. And I was like, wow, really got to watch out what you put in your work oh, bios dang. and who might reach out to you. Oh, so. no, everyone's going to think Wait, I'm are like you a maniac. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio is my sign. Um, were you and talking Vina, about Vina? Are you a Scorpio moon? I'm a Scorpio moon and mm-hmm. um, rising, yeah. That's what I thought. Yes, very proud Scorpio. Okay, eight and a half to nine, great score. Um, so Alexandra, would you like to say hi and share your story about how we met and I will rank you on your telling. Sure, hi everyone, um, Alexandra here. I um, feel a little bit of pressure now that the fate of our relationship rests on my ability to, to properly tell this story. I actually think the origin of our friendship starts with a survey. And I don't remember the exact details of the survey, but when we both got into college, we were, everyone was, was sent like an email link or something. I can't remember. Was it on paper? I don't even remember. It was long ago where it could have been a paper survey, but basically it was to do figure out like what your roommate preferences would be. And I could not tell you any of the details about what I think it was something about your interests, like what you maybe wanted to study, you know, but it went outside of just like the norm of what you're going to say. You did talk about like whether you liked, you know, loud roommates or how the degree you like to socialize, like whatever, all those sorts of factors. Right. But I truly don't know sort of how they uh, then took all this information to spit out this like random assortment of roommates. And I do remember after the fact we were, we spent a good amount of time amongst the four of us that ended up being roommates, figuring out what it was that we potentially had in common. And I think the two things that we landed on is that, that we were all basically the same height. So the roommate gods must've wanted us to be able to share clothes. And the other one was that all of us had different accents in our parents. And I think that was what we figured out that somehow they must've surmised that meant that we would all mesh well <laughs> as roommates. But anyway, so we got the information from one another that Delia and I were going to be college roommates, right? And so I'm sure back in that time, we probably like exchanged a couple of messages over Facebook, or I don't think we spoke on the phone, but maybe we had a brief conversation on the phone. But the-, the No, big... I, don't, I don't call people multiple no. times on the phone. No. <laughs> Some people, but- no. And we disputed that fact, FYI. <laughs> Nina does not call people multiple times a day. And actually, I don't know if I ever called you on your landline. Actually, that's not true. I called you on a hospital line before, so I guess that technically counts 
as yes. a landline. I think I still have that number saved, but that's another story. Um, and so the big actual exciting meeting was when Odelia and I were both sep- doing separate pre-orientation programs, but it meant that we got to campus early. And it had like a pretty strict schedule for our pre-orientation things going on, but I explicitly remember she and I coordinating like a breakout plan for our respective things so that we could secretly meet before, you know, the other roommates came on campus and before we actually got to to move into our dorm. So I do literally remember us like running towards each other down a hallway because we were so excited to finally get to meet each other after all like the anticipation and buildup of who, who our college, you know, roommates were going to be over the summer and feeling uh, very instant chemistry. But status to being like, oh, you know, we're more than just roommates. I think that was, we ended up living together all four years of college. So clearly, you know, roommate status worked out. But I think it was probably maybe towards the end of that first year that when we, you know, knew that we wanted to be living together for a long time that we cemented best friend status. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I would probably give that like a 9.5 or a 10. That was really accurate. And I would have also said end of freshman year, like we hung out all freshman year as as roommates, but you know, we kind of had some separate people we hung out with a lot of it from our pre-orientation program, but then like slowly started, I think there was a a futon uh, that definitely had lots of late nights of just like, Oh, let's just like sit here and like talk about life. Yes. And just sit on this futon in the corner and just talk about life. And, you know, we both ended up studying abroad at the same time um, in Spain and that was also like really great to be gone the same time because then we both went through re-entry back in the uh, college at the same time, which, you know, sounds like, oh, you were just studying abroad, but it's kind of hard to come back and you would have missed a semester of what people were doing on campus and uh, were able to like live together then. And then we like met a lot of, like we transitioned our friends into a lot of very different friends, junior and senior year. And those were like a lot of the similar friends to us. So yeah, it was nice to just kind of like go through that whole trajectory together and live in all those situations. So yeah, I was like, that's really good. I would definitely give it a 9.5 or a a 10. I I love how your your friendship story is so wholesome. And Kelly painted ours as one of deception, manipulation, (laughs) and borderline obsession. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, there was no declaration of best friendship between you two? Uh, I think it just, you know, it happened. It was just like, we're here. I mean, there was a recognition that like other people could live up to that standard. I remember when we were both studying abroad, we were like, it's best that we go to separate cities in Spain because we both meet other people and make friends. That was a tactical decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We wanted to make sure we were gone at the same time and and close enough where we could see each other. Right. But intentionally, we're like, we cannot go to the same place because we will not meet other people we all hang out with each other the whole time kelly we should have coordinated better we did not do a good job coordinating our abroad yeah we messed up <laughs> it's okay you we still have like- still have time the abroad stories from when we're adults now but we can have nicer trips so that works That's out true. But- we can eat better not stay in hostels not not <sighs> exactly. do couch surfing i will never do couch surfing again well but- you've all heard my couch surfing story so i definitely would never do it um that's that's definitely for another podcast uh but wanted to just start by you know introducing ourselves and you know kind of setting this understanding of like coming together and particularly because you know our podcast focuses on stories of women of color it's not surprising to should not be surprising to our listeners that um as women of color our best friends are also women of color and thinking about just friendships throughout the year and thinking about how the world engages with non-white people, having people that you can really seek as friends who also become like family is so critical for us as women of color because we are hit on so many different sides with the oppression that we face, um, thinking about the solidarity that feminism wants us to have, but knowing that you know black feminism, women of color feminism is so different about what we are seeking in terms of our liberation and also the kind of oppression that we face from like the very people, you know, um, the men in our 
uh, racial ethnic group who we are building with, but sometimes have to, you know, be careful around ourselves. And so all of these things that are meeting us in our intersections as women of color, I think especially makes it uh, for powerful friendships because we see that in each other. And I know when I was in college, you know, I had like a lot of women of color friends, but it wasn't until after college when I went to Miami that I formed this incredible group of women of color when I was teaching there who, you know, we just went deep on our friendship and cheering each other on about our profession and still being able to do that now. Um, so I know both of us, like all four of us have, um, you know, these friendships have been really important to us. So love to hear a little bit more about how everyone would describe the friendship and also like, how do you like keep up with each other and extend grace with the distance? Because, you know, creates a uniqueness in the friendship when you can't physically show up for the other person. I think, um, Odelia, you and I have, uh, we've joked about this in the past where we have a friendship where when we are in the same place, it's not uncommon for us to be like sitting beside each other doing work, you know, or doing our respective things or like have, you know, plenty of time where we're just like watching Netflix or whatever together. And I, I think it's nice that we can sort of have that friendship where it can, it doesn't always have to be driven by adventure Though we obviously have had plenty of adventures and rather it gives us the opportunity where we can always make space for conversation. And I think that's always been something that's to your point earlier about us having a lot of futon time, you know, sophomore year, like our initial friendship came out of having long late night we should have been working on our respective papers <laughs> conversations that just sort of flowed organically and allowed us to at that time think about what our place was on campus and how we were navigating it now what is our place in this world and how we're navigating as 30 something year old women and i think the ability to sort of create space for one another has always been really important and key to our friendship and hearing one another and I think we've translated that into when we have been on adventures, because a lot of times our adventures have been things like long road trips or going to national parks, these sorts of spaces that make are very conducive to sort of in-depth conversations where we can sort of, you know, take out whatever it is is going on in our own individual brains and how we're dealing with life and sort of like create this safe space for one another for us to, to share it with each other. Yeah, and I feel like that really started when we met in college because we used to, so if I would describe the friendship, I would definitely describe it by saying like a calm presence, like a steadiness, like an ease. And I remember we would just sit in each other's rooms, like on the ground um, and just write our papers because it was just like nice to have your presence while I was writing papers. If I was like anxiously writing and I had like three hours left, uh, feeling like I could write that paper, we would sit in that very weird room in the front of the the dorm uh, that we could see the shuttle come back and forth and people coming back from their evenings and we're still sitting there writing our papers. Uh, and that has so much like through our 20s and now into our 30s, I see that so often how we can get together and just sit uh, in silence and do stuff because there's just such an ease. There's no like lift that we have to do something or like we need to, you know, we'll have our adventures, we'll have our quiet times and that we can ebb and flow into both of those is something that is really necessary for me because I'm someone whose mind has a million things racing all the time. So it's very rare for me to have people or moments that like help kind of like cut through all of that noise. And I feel like our friendship really helps cut through that noise for me. I think for me and Vina, that's to they get that point of being able to just like sit and chill with each other was something that we only just started to learn to do. Because, you know, we met each other when we were kids. And back then, actually, it was really easy. I mean, a lot of our fond memories, our early memories of our best friendship, <laughs> it was that we would just be laying in Vina's bed in the dark, listening to sad music, some B2K, wondering why we were still single. <laughs> and, and, just, uh, and just talking about, like, anything and everything, right? It was just, like, so easy. And we, I mean, we were, like, 12, 13 then. We had to really learn, like we grew up together, learned how to become an adult together. We started to learn, you know, what it meant to be a woman of color, what it meant to be Asian, what it meant to be Vietnamese. We share a lot of similar um, similarities in terms of our identities and our backgrounds. But by this point, you know, we have spent now 
more than double the time that we spent together living together in the same space. We spent more than double that time apart now. We've been long distance friends for what, 12 years. And we've only really spent, I lived in the same place for about six years. Um, and so I think most of our friendship had to really develop from that, from, from that distance and from that space. And so whenever we saw each other again, it was like, oh, it's a whole thing. We got to have a plan. Once we started to like learn about Google Docs, we would have like Google Docs about like our schedule, what would happen when someone would come visit us because we wanted to make the most out of oh, it. Oh, Google Doc so, planning. See another thing where some things haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, so it was like a big thing. And then, you know, we, it was only recently, I think, that we started to be like, actually, I'm kind of tired. Can we just chill? And the last time I came to visit Vina, we tried to party for a little bit and uh, and we got too tired. So the rest of the time we just kind of, we just watched TV and it was, it was really nice. We, we think we're starting to learn to, to be those kids again with each other. Uh, welcome to your thirties. <laughs> I know, right? But just, just to be fair, we partied two nights in a row before we were like, okay, we're tired. That's very impressive. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I th- I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think, you know, we, it was almost, I remember a period when we were talking about this, maybe it was like during college years, because we went to different universities. And so we would like come and visit each other and it'd be a whole production. But sometimes it felt like we were courting each other, you know, like we were trying to plan the most and do the most for each other. And so for me, it was when we took that trip to DC, our wife's spring a trip. So Mm -hmm. when we, Mm -hmm. you know, left our husbands at home and we like just hung out in DC together and like we got to stay in my friend's apartment and we just like would wake up, go for a run, get a smoothie. And then we would just go back and like take a nap, shower, eat. It was just like so easy and so relaxing. Like we didn't over plan things. And I think it maybe came with age as well. Like as we got older, maybe we just stopped planning. Like I know for myself, I used to plan really heavily for all my vacations with all like the Google Docs and Google Sheets and the itinerary. And now I'm just like, I just want to go with the flow and enjoy and like relax. But yeah, I think it is part of it to go with the 30s. But yeah, it's kind of crazy to know that we have been more long distance than we have been in the same place because, you know, we are always in constant communication. Like we're texting all the time and talking all the time. But I remember at one point I was like, I don't even know what, like, I don't even know if Kelly preferred Syrah or like Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, like I was like, which one does she like? I don't know. Does she prefer white or red? I think it's red. And it's just kind of crazy because when you don't spend um, like time with someone on a daily basis, you don't know their like little preferences and like things that you thought they used to like, they might not like anymore. Like I think Kelly was like, oh yeah, don't you like like I thought you didn't like no, it's the donuts. The donuts, yeah, the donuts and oh the sweets. Oh my sweet. god! I this last just last week, <laughs> I was shook. I was shook because she was saying that she went to get free donuts, and I was like, "But you don't like donuts." She's like, "I like donuts," and I was like, "What?" And then she said she likes cupcakes, and I was like, well, "Since when?" And it was just yeah. All right, it's Vina, like, Vina, what year did you start liking donuts and cupcakes? That people need to know. People need to know. Tell the people. <laughs> I, I don't know, but that's this thing. I think, you know, like our tastes change over time and we as people change over time. But actually I'm excited because Kelly's going to be moving to the Bay Area. And so it'll be our long distance friendship is going to end. I don't know what this means. I don't know. We got to check back to see if our friendship <laughs> manages, you know, or lasts um, or maybe the distance was 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 the was a trick so I don't know we'll see hopefully our friendship will continue yeah that's really exciting and um but planning trips I think is just really important you know it sounds like that's been a big part of all of our friendships and just like that like excitement you get when someone's about to you know see each other and uh be able to actually be in the same place and and build up that excitement and but between the getting together, like how have you, you know, how's everyone found the best way to like keep up with each other? I know for me, I the hallmark of being friends with me is that you need to be okay with me messaging you on like five different platforms because again, my Correct. brain thinks about a lot of things. Like I'll be like, here I am on Instagram. Two seconds later, here's my WhatsApp to you. Here's my signal to you. Here's my Facebook message to you. Here's my regular text to you. Here's my phone call to you. Like, I have a screenshot it, of that, of like all your notifications all at once. I think I, yeah, I screenshot it and sent it to you being like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> and 
that's just how I am. It's just like my brain is just always like, if I'm on something, I'm like, that's where I'm going to message you. I can't streamline the conversation. Uh, but, you know, I think Alexandra has been really great about, you know, just meeting me at all of those different platforms, but also knowing that sometimes we just need to like hop on a call and have like a really long catch up because that's, you know, where you capture some of those changes. And I think I've just learned that from being away from my family that, you know, when I live away from home and I come back and I'm like shocked at changes in people, but to everyone else who's around, it's like a gradual change or like small things. But to me, it's these huge things that I haven't seen you, you know, in a year or maybe six months. And so having long conversations where, you know, I'm trying to figure out like what's new, how's your life, like paint a picture for me of like what's going on, who you hang out with, like what things are coming up for you is really important. So I don't feel, uh, you know, very like shook when I see you again, because I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping up as, as best we can, because that's the thing that's so special to me is I have a lot of friends that are physically here in the Bay who I know. But there are very few people because I do tend to be a very private person. I am someone who like, you know, it's difficult for me to ask for help and those kind of things that when someone has reached that level, that it's really important for me to be able to be close to them. And, you know, Alexandra is someone who I can, you know, kind of let those walls down and talk about things that are bothering me. And that isn't necessarily true for everyone I have physically here. So that distance has to like transcend um, the needs that I have, and I have to be able to move with, you know, the distance to make sure that, you know, that what I'm getting out of the friendship, and hopefully also what I'm giving through the friendship still, you know, stays alive and well. And the thing with Odelia is that you're very good, you've always been very gifted at maintaining distance relationships. Like that's something that I remember very well, when we were living together in college, how great of a job you did of keeping up with people that not even necessarily people from home, but people that you had met in other places that you had connected with that you had never lived in the same area as. And you, and you always, I always admire that, that you did such a good job of figuring out how to maintain those relationships that you valued. And yes, we certainly adapt for what your, what one another's style of communication is. Like I know all platforms are open when communicating with you, but to never leave a voicemail because that is just the wrong way to go because it'll never absolutely not that is a a hard and fast rule of voicemail will will never get checked but I think it just sort of like one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot with this sort of umbrella conversation around long distance relationships and under that falls you know friendships family romantic relationships is uh, for me, and I think that this is probably a common experience for lots of folks that are in immigrant families, it's been something long, I think I might have a different relationship with this, the concept of distance and people that don't come from immigrant families, right? I mean, it has been distance relationships have been baked into my life since before birth. And I think about the model of distance relationships in my life is really my mother who came here when she was 19 and came here by herself. And so for her, she, I saw how she, you know, kept up with her, my grandparents, you know, my Theos and Theas, my cousins, but also her friends, you know, the people that she grew up with that she wanted to, you know, make sure that she maintained this, this closeness with, even though she would go years and years and years and years without seeing them. And at this point, you know, now it's, she's been here for, something like 40 years almost. And I see that sort of the the ways in which she communicates with folks has changed a lot. Like I remember, I always knew when she was speaking to someone from home, when I walked in the door when I was a kid, not because of necessarily hearing Spanish first, it was because of the way she was laughing. I always knew that that meant that she was speaking with her friends from home, she was gossiping or she was talking to her brothers. Um, And so that, you know, that, that phone call was the lifeline then. But now she has WhatsApp groups, right, with all of her different high school friends. So she's sort of evolved as the different, you know, modes of communication have evolved. Um, And I think, you know, it's in some ways allowed distance relationships to proliferate. Um, But but I think that there there has always been strength around them since even before, you know, all these sorts of modes of communication opened up. And I think our sort of pop culture perspective on distance relationships really does a disservice because, you know, so oftentimes when we see it represented in TV or in movies, it's tragic or it's dramatic. 
right? It's, you know, the, the friend is moving away, the next door neighbor, childhood friend is moving away. And so their friendship is ending or, you know, the romantic relationship is someone yeah when we watched to all the boys i loved before and we were so upset (laughs) yeah we were so upset we watched it together which is another way that we that we made we know we keep up our friendship is we'll do things like watch movies together but yeah you know for for that for us that that didn't resonate because it's like oh no you know we it was baked in that we were gonna we were gonna figure out a way that was really beautiful what you said about how the relationship with distance was kind of just baked into your identity and i definitely i never thought about it that way and I really see that in my family as well. My family is all in Vietnam and Kelly also has family in Vietnam. And yeah, it's interesting whenever I go back to Vietnam, like they, they know everything about us because our families still continue to talk and, you know, they will remember stories of my family who left like over 30 years ago still, and they'll like bring it back up to me. So it's really beautiful. These relationships that can continue. And the other thing that you brought up that I thought was really funny was also when you know that your mom is speaking to someone um like from her family is like how they laugh and I feel like when a Kelly and I are together like I I don't know what it is but it's like we become our laughter and our like way of talking just changes and I don't really experience that with a lot of like my friends I mean Kelly has known me since I was like basically a child and so it's like I revert somewhat back to like that time but also am the person I am now so it's like so many characters and personalities coming to the to like the forefront at once and it's awful for anyone like sitting in on our conversations because they're like I don't understand what is happening I don't understand these sounds like and also another thing that I didn't get a chance to describe in our friendship it just seems like Odelia and Alexandra you all have this like really sweet wholesome like very kind and loving friendship which is great I feel like Kelly and I have like a nice nurturing friendship too but we're so mean to each other I don't know how it happened, but like, we've always been kind of like really savage to each other. And most people who know me now, like I'm pretty nice and, you know, I'm pretty tame, but like, I feel there's a side of me, like, like this mean side of me that you don't really get to know until you like really get to know me. And I don't like to show it very much, but like when I'm with Kelly, I can just be like brutally honest. And we're just like, we make fun of each other. We low key have like a willing, you know, a willing bullying relationship with one another but I've, I've definitely mellowed out over the years. Kelly has maintained her bullying meanness, but in my old age, you know, my tender, my heart has like tenderized a bit. So it's spiciness. I don't know why you have to call it meanness and bullying. I think it's spiciness and also real talk. Okay. And I stand by that. All right. Well, cool, cool. She's like real talk, rebranding. So Rebrand. Rebrand. Be, love it. I'll spiciness. That's fine. That's nice. <laughs> Rebrand. Uh, but I, I love just hearing that, like, just how many years you all have been friends. But I think even just, you know, meeting Alexandra in, like, you know, at age, you know, 17, 18, I feel like I've been so many versions of myself. Uh, and to still maintain, like, a strong friendship with someone who's seen so many versions. And you all have seen, like, three times that many versions. I just think that's really awesome. Are we, actually, that might be a fun question. Could we name versions of our best friend? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a version of, um, I feel like there was a grad school Alexandra. <laughs> I think there there's cycle Odelia's, mm-hmm. you know, she definitely goes, because I distinctly remember like there was like a period of time in which this is when you're thesising. So to be fair, this is when you're thesising, which was like, you know, you were focused and the rest of you were like locked out of the rest of the world. You, you struck a very impressive balance compared to, I think, most people that are going through the thesis, but you were very much a homebody in a way that I had not seen you be a homebody prior to that. And then I also, you know, know that you go through your periods of time, you're like, you're out there in the world. And also you want to be glamorous and you want to be like fun and having all these things. And then you'll cycle back into like homebody status. And so I don't think it's, I think it's a combo of, you know, we all grow up and we all go through phases, but I think you also do a little bit of, of uh, different, different sort of cycles in your life. That's so true. When people want me to go out now, I was like, should have known me as Miami Odelia. I was like, Miami Odelia was out in that club till 5 a.m. But You keep talking um, about Miami Odelia. Can you just bring her back for like one night? <laughs> oh, I mean, she's always deep within me and I love dancing. Like if we go dancing somewhere, she'll come back. But I, if I'm just going to go out and have a drink and like talk, like she doesn't have a need to show up. <laughs> we need to plan a night for her to come out. She's. she's I felt like I met her at your wedding, Vina. Oh, that's, 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 
That was a good, like, edge. I think my my Romeo Delia would definitely have had a shorter dress on um, and a little bit more of a spicier personality. That was my, uh, we're just here for a fun time for the wedding self. I feel like I have a wedding self, too. And Miami Odelia wouldn't have fallen asleep. (laughs) No. No, because Miami Odelia was always the designated driver. Oh, I I didn't know that. Though I did, I did pick up wedding Odelia the morning after your wedding, Dina. Oh, Oh. (laughs) right. So there was, I saw some, some Odelia Miami sparkle in the aftermath of that. I'm telling you, I think I met her on the dance floor. Probably. Alexandra, I thought you were going to say that you met her at your wedding and I was like, oh, another podcast. (laughs) I did. She was definitely, she definitely showed out and there are plenty of photos yeah. to, to prove that. Uh, I love weddings. I love love, you know, so um, hopefully one day you all will be able to come to my wedding and uh, Miami Odelia will be at my wedding. Well, I know also just in the last year, it has been easy to be a homebody just in the pandemic and, you know, missing out on trips with friends and being able to see each other in person and just how easy it is to just get sucked into not only a year of a global pandemic, which no one probably had on their life bingo card. I know I did not, uh, but also just everything from the summer, whether it's, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor to, you know, um, kids in cages to rise in you know, anti-Asian violence in the U.S. So how do you feel like during these times of being locked down and seeing everything that's going on in the world, like how have your friendships changed? Um, I think for us, the strange thing is, like, you know, Kelly and I have never really worked together besides, you know, school projects. But since the pandemic, we've actually started to, like, connect with each other and work with each other in ways that I never thought we would. So I think that's been really cool to see how, you know, our worlds are colliding and intersecting with each other. So in a way, because we were able to be more virtual and get more comfortable with just like virtual connections, I think we've been able to connect more often than before, even though we're not seeing each other in person. So that's like one thing I'm grateful for, Um, not just in our friendship, but just like in general. Like I think, you know, before it's like, oh, you know, when I see you in town or whatever, then we'll come and meet up and we'll catch up. But now it's just so easy to reach out to be like, hey, do you want to get on a phone call? Do you want to get on a Zoom call to connect? Um, So, yeah, I think I I hope that we can continue with that sort of energy, like coming into this, even after, you know, we're able to see each other in person is just being more willing to collaborate and connect. I mean, our worlds are so different. Like Kelly studies, something that I never knew existed. (laughs) And, you know, we just do very different things, but somehow because of what was happening in the world, we found a lot of similarities in our work and our interests and our values and have really come together over it. And as much as, you know, we were both from like Little Saigon and Orange County, as much as we were fighting against being Vietnamese and trying so hard to be American, somehow we just all landed on being like uh, very centered on Vietnamese identity, Vietnamese work. And so much of our work now revolves around that. So I think that's pretty cool to see that we're, you know, two two girls from Little Saigon coming together over some um, just some some shared projects and things like that. So in a way, you know, it's tragic and terrible everything that's happened. But I'm trying to see the positive that's come out of this in our friendship and in the work that we've been doing together. Yeah, it's good to have that sounding board to go back to. I know, you know, in the research I've done on identity, they, you know, call it that sounding board that, you know, when you move far away from it, it's like the thing you could bounce back on when, you know, the world throws you a punch or anything else. So I think sometimes when we leave home, we just find um, that that thing that we wanted to remove ourselves from is is central to us. Uh, but we had to be able to name it for ourselves because sometimes when we're home, it's named for us um, and can become you know, a little taken for granted or stereotypical for us. But when we move away, we can kind of redefine it for ourselves. Yeah. And I think because we grew up in Little Saigon too, and we just, there was so much internalized oppression, <laughs> like internalized, like, um, you know, like wanting to be like white adjacent. Right. Um, and I think we just, we were simultaneously struggling with like, really, really respecting our heritage and being grateful for it. But then also there was like this part of, there's this little shame that comes with it. And I think it's something 
to do with kind of like this like internal hierarchy within little Saigon that was there of like, well, how, when did you come to the U.S., right? Were you a recent immigrant or a later immigrant? And then there was like this strange hierarchy that came about it. And so we kind of internalized that too for a while. And we really, really didn't start to explore what it meant to be Vietnamese and to be Vietnamese American into our 20s. And we had started to do it kind of at the same time. For me, it was moving so far away <laughs> from Little Saigon all the way to the East Coast. And um, and we were just like, we were waking up to Asian America kind of at the same time. And it was really great to have someone who grew up with you and understood that context, right, of where you're coming from and why you had denied that part of yourself for so long. Um, and to have, like like you say, Odelia, that kind of sounding board. And so there's like so much that's already understood and that didn't need explanation. And sometimes when Bina says, like, when we talk, it's hard for people to follow along. It's not just because, you know, the speed that we're talking at and also we slur our words, but we're also like throwing in Vietnamese words from time to time and we can't think of the English word fast enough. Um, and so there's just there's just a lot of like understanding there that that really helped us get over this you know, even before this this past year that has been especially um, challenging, I think we've already been along that path of helping each other grow into these, you know, into into um, our, our our identities. And this past year just kind of really solidified that. And before that, we started we tried to start a book club together to read different Vietnamese American books and start to learn more about uh, our history and our culture and both in Vietnam and in the U.S. Um, and so there's been like little seeds of that. And this year kind of just like just kind of um, expedited, I think, the process. Yeah, it's so interesting hearing you all talk about growing up in Little Saigon and, and Vina and I, we've spoken about this a few times because it's the exact opposite of what uh, I've had. And so thinking about my identity as a Black woman, you know, as a woman of color, uh, there there was, the sounding board was my home, uh, you know, being the only non-white family in the entire school district, being in a rural town of 600 people, it was very isolating. And so you know, my house became the haven to, to learn about myself and learn about who I wanted to be. So when I went off to college or, you know, even before college, when I went to summer programs, I like longed to connect with other people who were also experiencing the things that I did. And, you know, just been grateful for finding that, you know, friendship uh, later in life because it was, did not exist when I was younger. I was just going to say one thing to, to sort of go back to, the original question about, you know, how this, the last year might have changed or you might made things easier or harder. It's interesting because, you know, obviously a lot of folks might be sort of in experiencing distance relationships for the first time in their lives right now, just by the nature of being in the pandemic. And I would say that in some senses it has been easier because, um, you know, for Odelia and I, because we're just both home or closer to home more often. And so, you know, when we want to have a phone call, there's less coordinating around um, the other things that are going on in our lives, right? So in that sense, it's easier and quicker to be able to connect. Uh, but I think one thing I've personally experienced and, and I think other folks have experienced as the pandemic has sort of worn on is I definitely, I have anxiety the pandemic has exacerbated my anxiety for sure. And one of the ways that, that my anxiety manifests is I should kind of shut down, right? And so I will sort of close myself off from communicating with people. And I think in some ways, like the constant, you know, having to connect virtually with people all day throughout the day and all these sorts of things just means that at the end of the day, I'm like, very, my anxiety is sky, sky high and I'm very tired, you know? And so I think it's uh, can sort of some of the, the logistical hurdles around connecting aren't there, but, you know, I do worry sometimes that it's impacted the sort of quality of the connections that I make with people, you know, and am I like really giving myself to this conversation in the way that I want to, right? Am I giving myself to this friendship in the way that I, that I want to, and, you know, that I should and, um, so th those are just some, some of the, the balances. And sometimes when, you know, we're all experiencing these like horrific 
events in our country and across the world together at the same time, right? And seeing it all play out in real time, it's hard to know how to connect with people about it, you know, outside of the did you see? Because yes, we all saw, right? And it's hard to figure out either one, when I should be reaching out or two, when I want to be reached out to, you know, and if this is something I just want to sit with by myself. So I think there's been certain layers of complexity that have been added um, over the last year. Yeah, that last part really resonates with me about like when I want to be reached out to. And I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm someone who's like, no, no, no I'll, I'll raise the subject. <laughs> Otherwise, like I want to just share TikTok videos and watch something fun and, and remind myself that laughter is still there. Uh, definitely for me the last year, um, just like loneliness, you know, I shared a bit in our PTS episode, um, our one before this about just, you know, reminder of being a single individual on this planet who's by themselves and feeling loneliness very acutely during the pandemic and, you know, friendships and the, you know, love that I feel, you know, from my family, but also my friends has really just helped me like bolster myself through this really hard time and really holding on to seeing people again and, and hugs and vacations and, and going places and, you know, for me, just like thinking about just knowing that there are people who I could pick up the phone and, and connect with and they're willing to like sit there with me and, and be there with me if I want to laugh or, or cry and, and know that they're thinking about it. I think it's been very hard for me to maintain friendships with people who, when these things happen, it's like their life doesn't change. Nothing has shifted about their life at all. It's same old, same old. And you know, they might say that's terrible, but they're saying that's terrible as if it's just like on the tip of their tongue. Whereas, whereas when we say it's terrible, like we feel it deep in our chest, like it's something that we feel in our heart. It's something that, you know, could be us, could be a family member. You know, we're, we're constantly, you know, when I think about like Black death, I think about Christina Sharp talking about, you know, Black life is always living on the precipice of death. And what does it mean? And what do you understand differently if you're always living on the precipice of death and for me, you know, French was particularly in a year like a global pandemic and everything that's happened. Uh, I don't feel like I often have the space for everyone or to keep up with everyone. And the people that I haven't kept up with is the people who I just, I don't, you know, we talk about everyone's, you know, in the same storm, but in different boats, like people who don't understand the different boats or who aren't in a different boat. It just feels so like such a disconnect and such like a wide chasm to even like jump across to hold them and hopefully maybe some of those friendships will be there on the other side but for me you know with Alexandra and other people who I know like just knowing that there are people who who feel these things deeply uh, and are impacted by these things and want to fight to change these things has been uh, what keeps me going is knowing that there's people who still hang on to that sliver of hope who are going to do something and uh, just feel the messiness of the world that are still going. Yeah, I think it's been really hard on that front too, because so, even some of the people who I consider to be close friends, I don't really think that support was fully there. Um, and part of me wonders if it's like, you know, you have to have some sort of, um, like in, in Delia and I's work, we have like community agreements, right? For when we enter into a community space and we work with people, it's like, how do we interact with each other? What's appropriate? What are we looking for? What are the expectations? And I almost wonder with friendships, if, you know, we need to have those conversations, those like reevaluations of like, what are ways that we can show up for each other, support each other in the same way that we have like love languages for relationships. I wonder if there should be like love languages for friendships. And Kelly, I was actually kind of proposed this with you when you came because, you know, we got to really, we, we got to really think about our now in-person friendship. It's like, how, how should we, how do you want to engage? Like, do you want to have dinner every Sunday night? Which I know you don't, but you know, it's like, what's like, or when do we raise, um, how do we deal with conflict? How do we come together and like, make sure we're like mending any issues that we may have, things of that sort. And I think, you know, not enough friendships have that. I mean, we have to, we do that with relationships, you know, sometimes because that's, who you live with and like how you, who you have to deal with. But like, I think it'd be important also to think about what that looks like in friendships. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking about our own friendship, Bina, and how much like, you know, uh, transferring from friends to also friends who do work together, who do a podcast together, who are constantly in communication with each other. Like, how do you make sure that you're keeping that deep sense of care for the other person when there are other things going on as well? I think there are love languages and friendships, though, to your to your point, Vina. It's just that how do you then translate it across different mediums, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the languages are the same. I think it's just we mm-hmm. need to apply it, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I think about for myself, you know, thinking about those, I guess, five, six buckets. Like, I am absolutely a acts of service person and a quality time. Like, that is how I give love. That's how I receive love. To the extent that I had a friend that flew into, this is when I was living in Los Angeles, had a friend that flew into LAX and then had to get from there to Palm Springs. She was coming in from the East Coast. And I picked her up from the airport in LAX and I drove her to Palm Springs, which anyone who's spent time in Los Angeles knows that driving anywhere near LAX is a nightmare. Driving across the county to, towards Palm Springs is a nightmare. But for me, it was like that combination of an active service and quality time. And that was my way of sort of experiencing the love of, of our relationship, you know? Actually, I remember something when you're talking about airports, <laughs> Odelia had forgotten her wallet or she took your wallet and she switched it with you. And we were at the airport about to go to Cuba and she's like, oh my gosh, this is not my wallet. I'm like, how? How? And then you drove, and I know LA traffic. I used to live in LA. You drove and switched wallets with her. I was like, man, you have a patient ass friend. Acts of service. That's how I show my love. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. It's, um, I do remember that. I really thought I was going to miss that flight. And I was like, Vina, go forth and be great in Cuba without me. <laughs> I definitely was thinking, like, should I leave her? That'd be really messed up. But (laughs) I think our friendship would have survived uh, if you had left because I I would have just got, like, the next flight. I would have waited for you. It wasn't that big of a deal. I know. I know. You you would wait. I would make you feel bad about it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) With that being said about scenarios, I thought, you know, we could kind of wind things down a bit with our game. Uh, So this time I'm going to give you a scenario and you're going to choose, you know, which person in the friend group is most likely to do it. And, you know, if you want to like add some color to the reason why, we'll let you do that. So which one of you is more likely to? And our first one is get into a fight defending your friend's honor. Vina. (laughs) I would say it was you. Really? Oh, see, this is why we're best friends. That's so sweet. I have two examples. Because one time Kelly and I were walking back from her violin recital where she was a concert mistress. She hadn't given up her position yet, but this is when she was still concert mistress. And um, there were these dogs, these stray dogs that came at us. And I freeze. Like, and I, I, I'm a freezer. Like, you know, there's fight, fight, flight. I freeze, unfortunately. It's terrible. It's not a trait of myself that I am happy about. But anyways, Kelly did this like crazy dance to ward off the dogs to bring us to safety. And the second time- I became mama bear. You did become mama bear. I had to make myself big. Yeah. I had to make myself big. And I like put my hands up and I did this whole like mama bear like growl to try to scare the dogs away. And I've done it recently again to protect my my fur baby from from a dog coming at us. See? It's very effective. Yeah. And I don't even know what I do. I kind of black out and do See, it. See, that's great. See, you're a fight mentality. That's awesome. Keep you around. And then the second time was it was my wedding and I had like rented this venue or it was like a house that we use as a venue. And then this woman comes by and Kelly told me the story later being like, oh, you're not allowed to have weddings here. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a call like I'm a call someone. And then Kelly was like there defending her, my honor being like, well, we already got paperwork. So whatever. And shoot her off. So. Yeah, that lady was the worst. Ooh, <laughs> Kelly, I wish she would come say- gotten me. <laughs> oh, I know. No, it was okay. I de-escalated it. It was it was fine. Um, but I was gonna say Vina because Vina will hold on to all your pain for you, like including grudges. Like you you will have forgiven someone already. And she's like, Mm-mm, not me. Never. Someone has <laughs> hold to, hold I on die. to it. <laughs> I do, Vina, you do do that for me, and I appreciate it. You really bring me back to like, ooh, yes, I should not be talking to that person. Mm-hmm. 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 
Uh, I think with us, it's definitely Odelia, no doubt, and has happened yeah. <laughs> on more than one occasion. Um, literally defended my honor on more than one dance floor. I will always appreciate her willingness to to step in when people are stepping over the line for me. Uh, next one is um, embarrass the both of you publicly. Probably Bina. Yeah, it's probably me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can tell from our previous conversation, yeah, probably I'm more likely to embarrass the both of us publicly. And I'm pretty sure we have. We have. I have. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kelly tends to go along with a lot of my crazy ideas. So were you part of Dancing for Dimes, Kelly? Yeah. A lot. Yep. All these. See, <laughs> Alexandra, you were talking about this earlier about how Adelia goes through these like phases that like recycle Vina's is that she's very industrious right and so she has like all these like projects she wants to do and all these like she has like that was dancing for dimes there was this heart to heart initiative where she put on this like charity um like charity show and so she like does all these things that are just like her side hustles um and she just volunteers her time but then she'll be tired afterwards because she overexpends herself. And then she's just like, I just want to lie down. I'm just so lazy. I don't want to do anything. But then she has five more projects ready to go right after that. So I'd say that's like your like cyclical thing. So I think, yeah, I think when you get into one of those modes where you're like, I want to, I have like these ideas that need to happen. I think that's maybe when, when you're going to get us into some trouble. Yes. Prepare yourself when you come. I'm, I'm hibernating right now for when you come. Oh, so funny. I was like, I think I went back to just like, maybe I've been watching too much like TikTok or something, but you said dimes and like immediately for some reason I thought of, you know, like dime being a slang for like someone who someone thinks is a 10. I was like dancing for dimes. And I was really confused for a second. No, we were trying to dance I for get little it. dimes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I got the idea. I was like, let's try to raise some money. Let's go dance for dimes in front of like a Vietnamese, a very small Vietnamese market. People were not amused. It was not cute. I did not have the move. I don't I don't even know if we got a dollar. I don't think so. I think we gave up. <laughs> yeah, you really should have done dancing for dollars, Vina. Like dream big. I know, I know. I didn't value myself enough then. Uh I think it's okay, well first, I don't think that we can embarrass each other publicly. I think it's more like when we're together, we're shameless together, right? And so Agree. Also, oftentimes comes back to dance floors when I think about it, too, because we've had plenty of times where we've like made people move off the dance floor just so the two of us could take over the center of it or climb on whatever elevated surface necessary so that we could dance together on it. And so I think about all those moments and like when we are doing it together, there is no feeling of embarrassment in it. And if other people feel embarrassed, watching us then that's their problem is my opinion that's on them I yeah love that. I, I was gonna say the same thing I was like yeah there's just nothing we would we would do that we'd be like oh that's embarrassing but no we, it was fun and, and that and it's so nice to just have like that partner and adventure to say like you know who cares who's watching like this is our time to like let loose there's so many other serious things in our life all the time that it's it's so nice to just let loose for a bit Vina you do remember when you made us enter a karaoke contest at the OC fair we got participation award oh, we the participation award it was bad it was so embarrassing was Vina really and bad. karaoke so many good stories of being in karaoke yeah it, it seems like we I forgot about that that's so funny we should all hit the dance floor one day though it'd be so fun what I'd also last... be down for karaoke yeah I desperately miss karaoke my last adventure with Kelly was um it wasn't, we did, we did do karaoke one night, but then it was just the two of us and it was outrageous and amazing. Um, and then the other time that we spent together was dancing. We went like, we rode in this really disgusting limo that probably gave us exhaust, like issue, like just like poisoned our lungs. Um, and then we oh, went no. and danced. So we'll have to bring it back to dancing with y'all. That'd be so fun. Karaoke and dancing. Yes, all come back to dancing. You know, we said we're bringing hugs back in 2021. It also sounds like we're bringing dancing back all night long in 2021. And that's really great. And very fitting for my last one, which is which one of us is more likely to become famous? 
Vina. I would say you. Her ideas. So many ideas. One of them's going to happen. No, I have so many ideas. Nothing happens. <laughs> no, I think, so it's, you know, Kelly has always, like, between the both of us, like, in terms of friendship-wise, Kelly has always been, like, the quieter, more calm one. And I'm, like, the, like, more outrageous extrovert one. But, you know, Kelly has really been making a name for herself. Like, she has a pretty loyal following on Twitter. Her tweets get, like, 100 likes. Mine, I most get, like, 11 you know, so Kelly's making a name for herself. I, I'm I count my myself. I count myself in one of those eleven. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, right there you go. So nine other random people like my tweets. But anyway, I no, mine is a, it, in a very niche part of the world. Like there's a the niche of the world, and then it's like a niche of the niche. So, <laughs> but yours, your projects are like you know, for for all sorts of communities across communities and you're, you're doing more important work. So definitely. You. I disagree. You're going to become famous and I'm going to ride in your coattails. I also think Delia is going to become famous too. So that's what I was going to say. Yeah. She's absolutely the, the famous one. She already is. She has a podcast. She has a she has books. Plural. Yeah, books. She, already is, she already is fame, the famous one. so kind. I always get so embarrassed when Vina references my fans and I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, you know who I'm talking See, about. That's how you know that you're famous, that you don't even know your fans. Well, Delia, I've like a, I've sent your books to a bunch of my students. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I remember when we start first started working together, we would have like events and stuff, and like the majority of the people who showed up were like Delia's fans. And I was like, you know, I don't mind being the unpopular one or the less popular one as long as I got to write <laughs> ride Delia's coattail. See, 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 I chose right, right? Like I researched my friends and then like, I ended up with. <laughs> How's the show, guys? Research. Although, do you, re- do you remember though when we were, when we were much younger, you had said that one day when you're rich, you'll take care of me as long as I play piano for you while you t- like took bath. Well, you told me if you ever became rich, you would let me live in your West Wing. Yeah, you get a wing. I mean, it, well, I'm not sure if I promised it or you demanded it. It was like a trade off of like, if you made it, I'll play piano for you while you bathed. I don't know, like taking And if you get much. famous, I get. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. At the time, I think it was a thought of like being in a bubble bath with candles around. Mm, yeah. And then live music. Sounds really romantic. That sounds so nice. <laughs> I love it. Well, if you are a fan of mine listening, just know I appreciate you. And uh, <laughs> uh, if I have, uh, maybe I'll be famous one day. I don't know about Rich, though. I got to make one of these tech boys or something work out in the bay but um yeah I I mean now I gotta think about what I want my persona to be if I ever become famous because I need to adopt a new one why do you need to adopt a new one no uh, just just for fun no just because not because I feel like I need to just because I think it would be fun mm. okay no what Megan, are some that you have Megan the Stallion has you know her different you know ideas of who she is I I don't know I'd probably go back to some variation of like Miami Odelia we're bringing her back. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, bring back Cycling Miami. Right back. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to emerge after this terrible last year. I gave away all of my clothes, though. Not a single one exists anymore from that time in my life. I hope someone else has taken on the spirit of Miami Odelia and is wearing those sparkly dresses and is living their best, most glamorous life right now. I was going to say maybe a fun question to end on is like who, which selves are we going to bring to this, you know, dance karaoke meetup when all four of us can meet in person? Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone I know on Instagram the other day and she referred to what's coming up as vaccine girl summer. And I loved it so much. And I was like, I am here for vaccine girl summer. And that, that's, that's, you know, that's the vibe I'm going for. Vaccine girl summer, you know, she's just showing off her arms that got the vaccine, you know, <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, going out there in the sun being like, look at my melanin, just like deepening. Cause I'm finally outside in the sun more. So that's what I'm going to be in 2021. I'm going to be hugging everyone. I'm going to be living my best vaccine girl summer. I love it. I just want to be in the sun. I can't wait to be in the sun all the time. That's all I want. I want to be outside I want to be day drinking on in parks. And I was looking earlier at how to get to Montana. 
in hopes that Odelia and I will be able to get plan our next national parks journey (laughs) to maybe go to Glacier Park. So I just want to be outside girl. That's what I'm going for in post-vaccine life. I don't know. I don't know what self I would bring, but I would say that a a goal that I'd like to have for me and Vina is to have an international trip together because we've never traveled abroad together. That's true. Yeah, we've always kept missing each other. We were like trading continents and stuff. We never. Yeah. Oh wait, shut up. We went to I went to France to visit you. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, but okay, but 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 husband was there. True, true, true. So so not a wife springer, you know. Yeah. So just to clarify, wife springer is when we leave our husbands behind and just do our own thing. I'm excited for a wife springer in Vietnam. That's our next adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be a good one. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm also going to go <laughs> finally go to a, a, a trip to Vietnam, hopefully yes. next year. I think I would bring... So maybe myself should be Wife Springer Kelly. Oh, I like Wife Springer Kelly. <laughs> yeah. I think I would bring... I think I would bring, like... Oh, who would I bring? I don't know. Oh, okay. So um, I've been working on a Get Sexy plan, which means, you know, I've, I've always, like, never felt, like, sexy. Like, I think I'm cute sometimes, but I've never been, like sexy so I've been trying to work on my like sexiness and it's a three-pronged approach and I've been working on these three things and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job but get sexy is not about an appearance thing it's more about like a state of mind so I'm gonna bring sexy Vina out with y'all she's gonna be like she's gonna have her brows done she's gonna have eyeliner on mascara if she's feeling like it maybe she'll have some big fake lashes on some big bright red lipstick dark and broody outfit yeah. Comfortable shoes, though. I can't go with uncomfortable shoes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Get ready. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great question to just end our time on just thinking about that's one of my favorite parts about, you know, all my friends, especially, you know, best friendships is bringing all the versions of yourself to the table, having all of those selves uh, welcomed and appreciated and valued and just really looking forward to seeing how all of our friendships grows and develops as we get deeper into our 30s, as we, you know, appreciate our, you know, outside girl, sexy girl, wife spring, uh, uh, you know, vaccinated girl summer selves. And just knowing that there is someone out there, no matter where we are in the distance, who deeply cares about us, deeply cares about the things that we care about, um, and who acts as our own version of a sounding board to come back to. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much, Alexandra, for joining us today. And hope our listeners enjoyed our second bonus episode. Thank you for listening to TN Transitions, brewing good stories down to the very last drop.